Jeez. I'll have some caffeine. And no, we'll, no, we're good. We're good. We're good. It's, we'll talk about moving robots. It's it's not the most boring topic. An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another transcendental episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network. This episode and every episode on this show is brought to you by our very good friends at Cognite. If you're not familiar with Cognite, uh, you got to check them out. Cognite is doing some amazing stuff in the oil and gas industry with industrial data and, uh, and analytics and automation and all of that uh, fantastic stuff. Um, you can uh, you can learn more at uh, cognite.com or you can actually go straight to this uh, this pretty cool website they've set up called makedatadomore.cognite.com and uh, you can learn about how to make your data do more. Uh, we love our sponsors at OGGN as I always say without them there is no us and without us um, we have a problem because then you have nowhere to go for this fantastic content. There isn't any other place, um, not just this show, but uh, all of the podcasts that come from OGGN, the Oil & Gas Global Network. We are a network of podcasts, and so therefore, there are many. And if you go to the to our website, which is coincidentally OGGN.com, you can find out about all the podcasts that we have. And, uh, you know, you, you're not going to want to listen to them there, but you can, from there, you can link out to whatever your favorite podcast platform is, and you can listen to all of our great shows. Um, there, there are some new ones that we've, uh, that we've come out with just in the last couple of months, so look for those. One of them is, uh, is my sister show, I guess you could say, to, this, to the tech show, which is called Oil & Gas Digital Doers, where we, uh, we talk about digital, but not so much the tech itself, but we talk about how people are actually getting digital done in the oil and gas industry because uh, we've been at it for a couple of years. So we ought to have some good stories. And in fact, we do. There's also some other new shows, Journey to the Energy C-Suite. Who doesn't want to learn how to get to the C-Suite? That's with uh, Ryan Sanford. He has some fantastic, very, very uh, uh, senior level uh, type uh, of uh, guests on that show. We've also got Energy Scale-Ups. So uh, the fast and furious and fun world of uh, starting up new businesses, which is covered by Jose Salis. He also has some some very uh, some very interesting guests on there. So check those out. Check out all the other all the other shows, all your favorites. Uh, Only guests onshore, uh, Permian Perspective, Women Offshore, uh, and of course the big one that started it all, Oil and Gas this week, which I'm sure all of you already already listened to anyway. So. Enough of that. Let's talk about. I, I have a guest today. I got This is this is going to be a good one today. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. We're, we're talking about robots, so it's always fun to talk about. <laughs> it's always fun to talk about robots. But first, I got to say thank you to uh, uh, I got to all of the listeners. Um, I mean, uh, all of you that are listening. Thank you. Uh, I, we see the audience is growing from week to week, and uh, certainly gives uh, so it gives gives meaning to what we do because without you, um, we're not 
we, we have we have no purpose. Uh, but also, if you do enjoy listening to this show or, or any of the OGGN programs, then tell people about it so they will find out, uh, you know, that this is worth their time and that they could. Uh, in fact, you know, if 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 the mood hits you just right, you could even go and leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Um, you know, and if you um, if you don't really like it, then you can say that in the review and tell us the, uh, what you think that we ought to be doing better, uh, because that's how we learn. But what? But what am I saying? Of course, you're gonna like it. All of our shows are fantastic. So uh, so do that and tell your friends and family so that uh, so that they'll know that uh, they should be listening as well. And that gets us to our guest today, which I'm very excited uh, to have because this is a great topic. Uh, but we have coming to us all the way from, uh, uh, I, I was going to say historic Waltham, Massachusetts, but that's where Boston Dynamics is. But but uh, I think, Michael, you're actually, you're not, you said you're somewhere else, right? You're, yeah, you're just, there. just outside town, but very yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Michael Perry, everybody, uh, who's the VP of business development for this, this company that you might've heard about Boston dynamics or you might not have, because, uh, you guys have been a kind of, you've been a little under the radar. Like you, you, you're not, you're not one of those companies that's made a lot of noise over the years. Um, is that right? Or is it just me that's been missing it? <laughs> I think most people know our robots by um, through, through videos, but they might not know our our, our company, your brand. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So interestingly, the company's in Waltham, which, like, if I know, if I remember my history, which uh, is always questionable these days, but um, <laughs> but uh, like like Waltham was like one of the like kind of the like it was like the Silicon Valley of like the American Industrial Revolution, right? I think a lot of um, a lot of, a lot of, you, you may not, you're like, I have no idea, but is that, do, do you guys ever talk about that? Is that, is that kind of part of the history? Not, not directly, but man, it's, it's all over the city. Like you, you see these factories that were some of the first bike factories in America, some of the folk, yeah, first mills, yeah. um, you know, Polaroid, um, you know, had their, their big, um, facilities out here a lot of the first robotics companies came from they call it the route 128 corridor right um, right so yeah i mean there's a lot of legacy of innovation in the waltham area yeah 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 cool all right so and you've been with uh you've been with boston dynamics for uh for a few years i think right um but you came but you also i i know uh you mentioned earlier that you were with a drone company um so you got some of that in your background i also i noticed that you're not a stranger to texas because i believe you went to the <laughs> university of texas is that right yeah yeah how, how did so like how did that happen how'd you how'd you land down here oh man UT what Austin? a weird circuitous route, but you know, the long and short of it is, um, I was working in Hong Kong, uh, as a communication consultant and, right. um, had been out there for several years and had been a consultant for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to move in-house and, uh, you know, do really work with a company to, to grow their, their business. And I had two offers on the table. One was with one of the big four accounting consulting firms uh, to lead communication in Asia Pacific for them. And one was this crazy Chinese drone startup, um, in Shenzhen, which was just across the border. Right. Right. And, um, you know, I ended up joining that company, which, um, is called DJI and eventually became the world's largest, uh, drone commercial drone manufacturer and, um, has grown like a rocket ship, um, since that time. So, 
yeah. that was my foray into uh, robotics, all things tech, and you know I've been uh, been amazed ever since. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, you haven't. You're, you're certainly not moving away from it. Um, I, it's, <laughs> I, I chuckled a little bit when you said communications consultant because what was so what was there was like a movie. Uh, I think I think it was Steve Martin and like his daughter brings home the boyfriend. And she and right and and he says and they want to get married and he says like well what does he do and he says he's a communications consultant and Steve Martin says that's code for unemployed. <laughs> 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 so so there are so it's a real thing though being a communications consultant. That's, that's it a is a real thing. Um, my wife can attest to that. Okay, she, good. Yeah. yeah, and her her parents too. fair enough and and you mentioned you're in hong kong uh which by the way i was in hong kong uh like like 20 years ago i think it might have been a little bit different then but i loved i loved being there um and uh it was a fantastic place but i i see i think i noticed somewhere in your background too that that the reason why like you like you you speak chinese or mandarin right i think isn't that like in your wheelhouse yeah Uh, yeah i studied at ut um yeah yeah my I had wanted to study a, a foreign language that was difficult. Um, you have, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Foreign, I mean, you have yeah. a foreign language requirement and, you know, I was like, well, I should, you know, stretch that muscle and like really learn something new. So it was either ancient Greek, Arabic or Chinese and Arabic and Greek were completely full up the classes. And the, the only class that was available was an 8 a.m. Chinese class Monday to Friday and nobody was signing up for that class for some reason. And I was the poor schmo who did. And <laughs> turned out I really liked it. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Luck, well, lucked out. Cool. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, the hardest ones are the ones where you don't even get to use the same letters, right? Like the alphabet's not even, doesn't even look to look the same. So, so that, that would, all of, all of those would qualify, I think. <laughs> Although Greek is, is similar, right? But, uh, in terms of, I mean, some of the letters, are any of the letters the same in Greek? You know, there's, there's some things that you can reason through, um, you know, a lot of our language has Greek roots, but, um, right. Right. Well, and everything else is in there as well. So, yeah. All right. Enough of that. Let's talk about, um, so interesting stuff though. Um, uh, it's, it's fitting that you should be working, uh, in, uh, some, some sort of really, uh, uh, a crazy technology <laughs> world, which, and I've seen some of the videos, some of the, you know, the recently uh, released, I, I assume that they're, they're, they're real promotional videos and they weren't leaked from your secret laboratory, but uh, <laughs> of some, and the, I mean, you guys are making robots do really amazing stuff. And we're going to talk about spot because that's, that's, uh, that's doing a lot in oil and gas, but you got, you got robots like running around and jumping and spinning and doing ballet and all sorts of really, uh, really fun stuff there. Yeah. So, you know, it, most people know Boston dynamics through our YouTube videos. And so they're thinking YouTube started in 2008 or, you know, whenever it was 2006. So that must be how old the company is. So it often surprises people. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. 30 years. Um, and a lot of our DNA comes from robotics research from, uh, CMU, uh, Carnegie Mellon, and, and, and MIT, right. where um, our founder, Mark Raber, was trying to figure out how to make robots walk. And you know, the thing that was interesting about that challenge is, it, one, it's an interesting robotics and controls challenge, but from an application perspective, if you have a robot that walks, you, know, you can ha- start getting over some of the um, operational limitations that traditional robots have, where you have curbs or stairs or grass or snow or gravel all within one mission set and the robot 
where the wielder track base gets stuck because it, it can't right. get through all of those terrains um, with just one one set of wheels. So uh, having a having legs on a robot is really useful. However, it's a really hard problem because yeah, you yeah. know we humans uh, you know it takes us a year just to figure out how to coordinate our whole bodies and you know coordinate our limbs to stay upright. Uh, while we walk through space and, you know, some of us, myself included, still have a hard time. But, you know, for a machine, that that's also a really hard challenge. And you have to start adding all of these different sensors to it to make sure that it, it's able to do something regularly and repeatedly as, as you would expect something like that to do. Yeah. Well, so anytime you take something that a, that a human does intuitively, especially if it involves like space and time and mechanics and things. Anytime you try to turn that into a math problem, it becomes really complicated really fast, right? It's not, it's not easy to do most of the time. That's a hundred percent right. And it's, it's taken us basically since the early nineties until 2019 to field our first real commercial product from that. You know, we, we've done some one-off research projects where we were able to build robots that demonstrate phenomenal mobility capabilities but then taking that and boiling it down into something that's able to be mass produced, able to put into the hands of non-roboticists and be right. as reliable as it is in the lab takes a lot of time and, and focus. And, and that's just now where we're getting with the technology. Yeah. Yeah. I think I saw one of the videos where um, like you had some news guy like who was there and you just put the control in his hands and he like steered the robot to the steps and the robot walked up the steps and he didn't have to know, like he didn't have to tell the robot. So it was interesting cause it's, cause we talk in oil and gas, we talk a lot about, you know, automated versus autonomous mm-hmm. and, um, and whoever was in that video that you, that you guys have was explaining that you're blending, right? You're like, like you're blending things together because the, the the robot is autonomous in the sense that it knows how to walk up, how to recognize and walk upstairs, right. but it's following your instructions, right? Uh, yeah. Somebody's like somebody's directing it to the stairs. So, um, so it opens up all of these, all kinds of possibilities in these industrial applications, which is what we want to get to. Um, um, because, uh, and when we were, when we were chatting during our, our warm up conversation we, we were talking about industrial data acquisition which is which is like which which goes by 10 different names right now in oil and gas but <laughs> but the point is is that we're out there and for all kinds of different reasons whether it's whether it's to do analytics in the in the cloud to optimize a process or whether it's to just know that something's going to blow up before it blows up whatever like whatever the reason is we're out there trying to gather tons of data from yeah. these industrial environments, right? And mm-hmm. um, and that's where you guys, I mean, so in terms of our industry, that's really where, where you're seeing the most opportunity, right? Yeah, so, you know, the way I, I've been thinking about this, and this is true both in the drone industry, as m- much as it is, oh, excuse me, um, as much as it is in the uh, ground robots industry, is that you have, um, you know, the, these data acquisition problems that kind of break down along a few lines. The first is, um, you know, data that is impossible for a person to collect. And that's, you know, because it's just too dangerous. You know, you can't right. go into an environment, um, you know, that is known to be, um, you know, gas enriched, for example, and, you know, without having to, you know, put on a lot of 
protective equipment or de-energizing the asset or you know, whatever it is. It's just right, a right, problem right. to collect that. Second is it's really costly. So, you know, you have, you know, offshore oil rigs or really remote sites or, um, you know, say flare stacks that need to be inspected. But the, the cost of data acquisition is so high that you're not able to get regular and repeated data. Right, and right. The third area really breaks down around the quality and consistency of data that you're getting on sites. You know, um, if you're running machine learning or computer vision or any sort of uh, an artificial intelligence algorithms to interpret data from your asset, you need a large data set that's been collected the same way over long periods of time. And unfortunately, people are just not good at doing the same thing repeatedly, repeatedly day after day after day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might collect it, the, the sample a little differently one day from the next. And where you apply automation, you get a much higher degree of repeatability um, at a lower cost. Um, and right, right. Through that process. This, this is why, so the true story, this is why, um, I, I, so I grew up as a kid Let's not do the math on this, but I remember <laughs> as a kid driving um, in my, my dad had bought brand new uh, a 1966 Mustang uh, convertible, uh, like it was the red with the spinners on the wheels and the pony interior and all that. Right. And, 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 and he ended up giving that to my mom to drive because he had a company car. And so that was, so I was a kid in the seventies, like that was the car that, uh, we were driving around in and it was, and, uh, I didn't appreciate how cool that was at the time. Um, but, but my dad always said that he had the car built. Like he said that he had the car built on a Wednesday. Like he worked it out with the dealership and the factory to build it on a Wednesday because at that point in time, you didn't want your cars built on Mondays or Fridays because on Monday, <laughs> like, like on Friday, everybody in the factory was getting ready to like go like, like uh, get tanked for the weekend. And on Monday, everybody's hung over. So you want to have your car built. So to your point about humans, even though we may do the same thing over and over again, but our ability to do it consistently sometimes is, you know, is, is jeopardized by a number of, a number of factors that we, that that's not percent right and you know at the end of the day those tasks of going around looking at the same gauge you know doing the same sensor readings day after day after day is not uh, a really intellectually enriching job no no you know, it's, it's not yeah you know yeah. There, there's a lot of creative problem solving that that person who's doing that work could probably be applying themselves towards that's that's really going to be doing something that uniquely a person can do. Right. A little bit more cognitive. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, you know, to that extent, these tools help prioritize and help people say, okay, of all the millions of things I can be doing on this site, what's the, the most value added thing? Because, you know, I know from this huge aggregated data pile, these are the the top five preventive maintenance tasks that we need to think about, you know, to, to make sure that the asset doesn't, you know, shut down or you know, whatever the issue is. Yeah. Um, these are some of the top safety issues that we, we need to start forward planning for, or maybe we're planning a, a larger turnaround on the site. Um, you know, what can we do to start preparing the groundwork for that? You know, all of that comes from the, the data of what the real world performance of your asset looks like. And you know, really understanding that really enables companies and and people on site to do a you know do their jobs much more effectively. Sure, yeah, and that um, and, and that's consistent with uh, I mean when we look at what's happening 
in those environments in oil and gas, whether it's a refinery or whether it's a, a, a platform, uh, like a drilling platform or, you know, or, or on a boat or whatever it is, those are the kinds of things that, um, that, that everybody's rallying around to, uh, to, to, to be able to accomplish all those kinds of uh, new ways of doing things. So, um, so you, so you guys, Boston Dynamics, you've got some, I, and I, I kind of regret that this is only a, this is a podcast. Like I, like I'd really love to do like an audio <laughs> podcast because you can't really appreciate uh, some of the stuff that you're doing. Uh, well, it's it, it, when you see it, it really, it really. But but nonetheless, we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can. So, mm-hmm. um, and, and you've got and you got a couple of cool stories with with uh, BP. BP the operator, and also Ocker BP, if I'm not mistaken. Um, the BP one's the one I'm more familiar with, but but um, and it all involves this this robot called Spot, right? Is that is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So as I was saying before, you know, we've been looking at how mobile robots could be deployed in environments that weren't designed for robots. That means you have an environment that's complicated or unstructured or dynamic that's constantly changing and you don't know what the terrain types are or you can just assume that it's not going to be flat and consistent Um, and you know how can you take a mobile robot and put it in that space and so our first commercial product is called spot which is a a legged robot it kind of looks like a dog hence the name it does look it looks remarkably like a dog (laughs) that's right yeah and you know because this type of automation is so new we made Spot a platform so that you could attach different sensors, different compute options. Uh, you sure. could connect yeah. the, the data collected by the robot to different backend services to understand what's actually happening in, in these complicated environments. And so when we're selling this solution, we're primarily going to places that are unstructured, unknown, and dynamic, including construction sites and manufacturing facilities, uh, electric utilities, mines, but we've seen a lot of traction specifically in the oil and gas space where the cost of data collection is, is sometimes really high in some of these remote places, particularly offshore oil rigs. Um, and, uh, you know, you still have a lot of assets that you, you need to understand what their actual performance is. So uh, both BP and uh, Ocker BP have deployed spot on their offshore oil rigs um, to do sensor you know, data collection using a variety of sensors, including thermal uh, cameras, um, sometimes even acoustic sensors to go into the engine room and you know listen for for problems inside the engine room. And, hmm, you know, right, right. In all uh, of these environments, you know, an offshore oil rig is a is a place where it's very time intensive to get somebody out there. It's costly. You want to make sure that somebody on the rig is optimizing their time as much as possible. And so if the robot can create like a prioritized punch list of things for a person to go actually work on rather than having to spend hours and hours and hours at a time, you know, going around looking for the problem on the site, you know, that that's a much better leveraging of, of people's time and, and the resources that they have. Yeah. So, okay. So let's break this down a little bit. Uh, like in the case of, uh, we'll take the BP one. What, um, so, so spot is being deployed. Lots of spots, I guess are being, or I, I don't know how many spots might be running around a, a platform, but, but, uh, um, 
so to go around and look at particular things in particular environments and find exceptions is that is that basically what what spot is doing there yeah it's doing a lot of the same rounds and readings work that you're you're you know you would expect um somebody doing if they're doing some sort of quality qa qcn uh, assessment so that includes um visual inspection so taking pictures of, of gauges um, and, you know, interpret using computer vision to interpret them and uh, determining whether or not they're above or below the threshold. Yeah. So that, so that part right there. And I, I, I guess, I guess more people are probably familiar with this concept now because, but, but, but maybe for those who aren't, um, cause we do have a wide ranging audience mm-hmm. on the show, but, but yeah, you're not just talking about taking pictures um, and then bringing those pictures to, like, like spot is interpreting what the picture says, right. Where, what the, what the picture, what, what's in the picture and determining if there's a problem. Yeah, that's right. So the, the way this works is that, you know, again, spot is a platform and primarily it's providing um, a mobile base to go collect data, but then you can attach a variety of sensors, whether that's, cameras, um, gas sensors, uh, acoustic sensors, thermal cameras, and then you can connect the data from those into a, a computer vision service, whether that's on the robot or in the cloud, to right. then determine whether or not it's above or below threshold. And then if it's above threshold, then that can create a separate work order in SAP or uh, IBM Maximo or you know, whatever it is yeah, yeah. that says, hey, there's a, there's a problem here you need to send somebody out to, to do a deeper dive into to what the actual issue is. Okay. So that, and that integration is interesting too, right? Because sometimes, sometimes the cool new technologies that they, the, the, especially in the, in, in industrial worlds, right. Or, you know, um, where people invent these cool new innovations that do these like really neat things, but they just, um, but then they don't always think about, okay, but how do I, how do I actually integrate that into my operation right. uh, as opposed to it just kind of like, like it's sitting there and it's doing this really, this really amazing thing. But how, how do I get like value out of that if I can't integrate it? And yeah. and as soon as you start talking about integrating into your operation, then you get into the, all those really boring discussions about SAP and Maximo and, <laughs> and moving data in and out and transactions and work orders and things like that. But that's a, that's a key part of the, uh, I like without that, then you just have a really fancy toy, right? That's 100% right, that, um, you know, a lot of this is about leveraging data to make smarter decisions. And if all you're doing is collecting mountains of data that somebody is then having to manually sift through, then you're not necessarily getting the full benefit of, of, you know, something like what Spot is is able to do. Right. you know, going around with their eyes and ears and a checklist could probably do that job. And, you know, they'll, they'll know a lot faster whether or not there's yeah. a, there's a problem. Sure. than if they're just sifting through a ton of pictures, yeah. but you know, if you have a multi-sensor, uh, a multi-sensor approach to collecting data and then the service on the back end to interpret that data, then that makes, you know, this complicated, uh, process so much more worthwhile because you're actually getting insights into what's actually happening on the asset. Um, but you know, we you know, we are providing the mobility piece of that. We're providing the um, uh, flexibility of the platform to connect to sensors and software suites. But our partners, whether they're 
um, you know, Cognite, who's doing a lot of the computer yep, yep. vision analysis. On the I've heard of those guys, Cognite. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. we, we, now we love, I, I, I always say lots of good things about Cognite, uh, which, which of course they are the sponsor of this show. Um, but this is their, uh, this is their, this is right in their wheelhouse. This is exactly the kind of stuff I can see where the two of you, uh, fit nicely together in that. A hundred percent. So, you know, Cognite, we, we have a partner called Energy Robotics out of, uh, Europe that's doing a lot of this type of integration work with a variety of sensors and then making sure that the data is then collected and managed in the, the customer's existing backend man- you know, data management systems. Right. And all that's, you know, really where the, the value comes across. You know, we're, we're providing a, a unique and novel way of collecting that data, but then making sure that the end-to-end solution is in place is where our partnership ecosystem really comes into it. Uh, right it comes to add value that okay yeah so that is and that that's key and that's another one of those things in oil and gas that we're seeing it's a big part of success in in digital transformation Um, and we talk about this uh quite a bit on uh, so i have this like sister show podcast called oil and gas digital doers uh so audience if you haven't checked out digital doers and you like the tech show you definitely need to listen to that one because because that's where we talk about like actually how people are getting digital done right so moving beyond the tech itself and 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 how are they actually making uh making progress and this ecosystem thing is coming up over and over again as a key piece of actually being successful uh not not just being able to do a POC that does a particular thing, but being able to bring these technologies like actually into the business and see value. So the ecosystem is, 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 is big. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, you know, we, we can't solve all problems for all, you know, all the, the different uh, industries where something like spot can, can be valuable all the time. You know, we, we do work closely with some of our partners to make sure that they understand the use case. They understand the, the capabilities of the robot. We're helping them find the right partner to do acoustic sensing or thermal uh, inspection or gas sensing uh, in their facilities. And then you know, we work with our partners to make sure that the, the, the back end of everything that the robot's co- collecting is then going to the place that the customer cares about and they can take action based on the information that the robot's collecting. Right, right, right. Cool. Um, so... So the partners in the ecosystem are um, like hardware people with sensors and stuff, software people with new ways of processing data, all of the above. What what kind of a what how does that what does that ecosystem look like? You got it. You know, we we work with customers and partners across um, a number of uh, of areas. You know, partners like Cognite provide mm-hmm. um, you know a dashboard for. You know, doing computer vision and you know, interpretive analysis of uh, asset performance. Uh, we're working with um, uh, Trimble, which is a, a construction technologies company, to create an integrated workflow for laser scanning um, of construction sites, of course, but of course, creating a accurate model, uh, 3D model of um, some remote assets has been something that some of our oil and gas customers have really cared about. Um, you know, we, we work uh, with that. That's that digital twin thing I keep hearing about. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're working together with, uh, FLIR to, uh, deploy their, um, some of their gas sensors on spot. So, you know, it really ranges the gamut from software partners to in, enterprise asset management partners, um, right, right, and then right. hardware partners, as you described. 
Yeah. 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 Cool. So, um, so what, so what else can we, um, that, 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 um, that sums it up pretty well as far as what's happening in that space and what you guys are doing. I, I, but, but, um, like what, like any cool stories, like any cool robot stories about what's happening, like, like in terms of, um, so we've been talking about a lot of this in the abstract, right? But um, if I'm if I'm working on that that BP platform or that Ocker BP um, uh, platform, and uh, and you know my boss comes in and says, "Hey, uh, good." In fact, I think there's a video about this. But my boss comes in and says, "Hey, good news. We just you know, like like we just bought Spot from uh, from from." like how does how does my world start to change or or what um and, and i don't mean in the abstract like do you have any any good stories where the customers have come back and said this has been amazing and here's what we're now able to do yeah you know most of the times when we um start talking to people about how they can use uh automation where we start is by asking them what is it, what do the people who work on site hate the most and you know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That that typically is the place. Besides where, each other, right after <laughs> after after four weeks on, yeah. Besides each other, what else do they hate? Specifically, what is the job that people hate? Yeah. And you know, one of the things that um, came out pretty quickly is that at least in in this offshore environment, doing engine room inspections is is a really Sure. job you know even with two layers of acoustic protection people can only be in those rooms for about 20 minutes at a time before they you know start feeling like they're getting ear you know, ear damage and they have to go yeah. for the rest of the day right so, you know rather than sending a person in there to do you know 20 minutes of inspection you know they go lie down for the rest of the day somebody else goes in um, you know, Spot can front load all of that work for them so that, you know, if you have to go into the engine room, you know exactly the things that you have to go knock off. You know, I, I've got to fix, I got to check this, this valve. I need to do a, you know, make sure the, the joints are fastened correctly on, on this particular location. All of that is a lot more optimized so that somebody is not having to spend an excessive amount of time in this, you know, physically uncomfortable space. And that's something that we we get really excited about because that means that it's making this person's job easier, more efficient, and and hopefully reducing some of the risk. That well, yeah, have. and the safe the safety and the risk and all of that, um, which which of course is right where we want to be um, with all this stuff. So cool. So I I, I would um, I think what we're gonna do is in the show notes. I mean, of course, we always put in the show notes, we'll, we always put links to who you are and your company and things, but but maybe we'll put a couple of links. You, you said people mostly know you from YouTube, right? So maybe uh, <laughs> when, when the company started back in 2006. <laughs> and and uh, um, we'll put some links to some of those YouTube videos because I, so it's just watching the way some of this stuff works, I think is, and I know there's a lot of people, I mean, so the robotics thing and the drones and everything is very big and people are doing it all over. Um, but, uh, I, you know, what you, I think what you guys got is, and, and it goes back to, I think what you said about your founder who he tried to solve a problem, right. About how do you make a robot walk uh, yeah. a long time ago. So, um, it's very, it's very George Jetson, you know, <laughs> So we'll, we, we can um, share some YouTube videos and then also share some of the use cases of how people are actually using the robot um, in the oil and gas space. It's, it's been pretty inspiring to see. Yeah. And, and what, so when did, it, when did you, you said it's your first commercial product. So when, when did people first start uh, putting this to work out there? Yeah, in fall of 2019. 
Um, so it's yeah okay. So it's been a couple of years. There should be some good stories and some good use cases and things. Yeah, right? and expect to see more. They're they're coming out of the world of work right now. Excellent. All right, and uh, do you uh, so do you guys do you guys get down here to because you know if you're going to play in oil and gas, you got to come down here once in a while and visit. <laughs> so I'm originally from Houston. So uh, from oh, I, okay, we yeah. left that part out of this. So you're sorry. <laughs> so that's how you ended up at at UT. You're from yeah. Houston. Okay, that's right. So yeah, uh, we we were out there fairly re- uh, frequently before the pandemic, and hopefully we get out there soon. Uh, yeah, well, the coast is clear, there. from what I can tell. People are coming and going pretty much, uh, like like in all directions right now. So yeah, so uh, you could yeah, there's no. Um, but it, did you say you're from Katy though? Is that where you? Uh, yeah, I'm originally from Katy. Got it. Okay, so so we have which is like so for those of you who aren't from Houston. There are three places in Houston that people are from, and Katie's, and Katie's one of them. <laughs> the other one is Sugarland, and then the other one is like whatever we call the Northwest area, right up there. Uh, right. Well, and, and then the Woodlands, of course, but we don't really consider that to be Houston because you're almost a Dallas at that point. Um, <laughs> you're up there by the Exxon Mobil office, both physically and spiritually. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that is very that is very true. Okay, well, well, great. Well, Michael Perry, thanks for. Uh, Thanks for making time today. It, really fascinating stuff. Uh, like I said, I wish we could do a maybe, maybe, maybe when uh, um, maybe when you guys start traveling down here again, we can uh, we can do uh, like a, we we do podcast video episodes from time to time where we actually like go on location and we'll record the like it'll, we'll record a podcast, but we'll do it with like with three cameras, and then uh, people can either um, you know listen to it like usual or they can watch it on our YouTube channel. So uh, would love to get to to do that with you guys once uh once you're once you're coming back down here again but thanks for making time today we'll make it happen thanks for having me all right there you have it folks great stuff from boston dynamics as told by michael perry hopefully uh we'll get him down here someday to hang out here in fabulous h-town speaking of fabulous h-town if you are here in houston uh, we are, I, I've mentioned this before, you've probably you maybe have heard, seen it on our LinkedIn feed, but, uh, but the OGGN Happy Hour events are back up and running on the last Thursday of every month at uh, at our favorite place, the Cannon in West Houston on Britmore. Uh, we had the first one to come in, uh, you know, since we stopped doing them for a little while. Uh, the first one was last month in June. We had a fa- fantastic turnout. I, I think there's over 100 people, uh, which, you know, is pretty good for, for first time coming back. Uh, typically... Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's 150 to 200 people, food, drinks. Uh, we have a fantastic panel discussion um, where we talk about different, different topics with uh, various experts from around the industry. And, and so the next one is coming up. I think uh, you're probably going to hear this episode in time. Uh, so if you don't, if this is the first you're hearing about it, then Thursday, July 29th, show up at the Canon, or you can get your tickets in advance uh, on uh, on Eventbrite. Just check out our LinkedIn feed; you can find that. But you know, if you forget and you just want to show up, um, that that works as well. It's 20 bucks at the door, 20 bucks in advance. Uh, 20 bucks either way gets you uh, gets you a chance to hang out with a bunch of industry other other folks from the industry. You get to talk network, uh, learn something new, 
what could be better? Plus, you get to hang out at the cannon, which is always cool. Uh, also, want to give a uh, quick uh, shout out to our street team. The OGGN street team is doing fabulous work uh, to help promote uh, the industry, to promote uh, the our network, and uh, and also I think they're having fun and they're doing something besides sitting at home behind the uh, the Zoom calls. So, if you'd like to be a part of the street team, then you can find that on LinkedIn as well. Uh, in particular, you should look for this guy. His name is Brian Mon M A H N. He's very easy to find on LinkedIn, and he's in, he is the fearless leader of our street team, and he will, uh, he will give you a mission right away. That's going to do it for today. Thanks, as always, to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And the final thoughts, uh, as you've heard me say before, uh, anytime you hear somebody uh, maybe, maybe uh, poking fun at oil and gas and saying we're a little behind the times and we're slow to keep up with the cool kids, just give them that little history lesson uh, about how we were tech before tech was cool. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil and Gas Tech Podcast a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.